This is 50% fresh, so I've certified it fresh. Would you like oh, to yeah, eat I would this? Not eat that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Geek Chew, podcast where we chew over the geeky things we love in pop culture. I'm Eamon. And I'm Charlene. And today we're going to be talking, I guess, about the new series Black Hammer from Jeff Lemire and Dean Ormston. Ormston? Mm-hmm. Does that sound right? Um, <laughs> the new Jason Bourne movie, Suicide Squad, probably the night of. We didn't mean to go this long without recording, and now we have lots of stuff kind of piled up. So we'll maybe just hit on things a little more quickly than usual. I don't know. Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, I did want to start with just a couple of... Because we don't... It's less frequent than I'd like that I actually branch out and try new podcasts. Uh Um, But we have started listening to a, a, a few new ones. One is, obviously, my dad wrote a porno. Hilarious! So we've been catching up on that one, because it's in its second season for the second uh, novella, novel. Yeah. They seem pretty short. Yeah. Um, well, I'm currently on the... I just finished the penultimate chapter of the first one. <laughs> right. And I have no idea how this is, like, a cohesive story. No. But it's still, like, the best listen yeah. Ever. So, I mean, the conceit is this, um, one of the podcasters, his father has written a, a pornographic literature. Erotic literature. Erotic, that's right. Um, and he has two of his friends come over and they read through each chapter and discuss it as they're reading. Uh, and it's yeah. <laughs> perfectly um, English humor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just a lot of fun to listen to. It's, um, they take issue with a lot of his, uh, syntax and word choice and understanding of the human anatomy <laughs> and <laughs> grammar and all yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, and, um, the other one was revisionist history. Also very good, which is very good. It's not like a hidden gem. It's number one, I think on the, um, iTunes chart, but it's Malcolm Gladwell's new podcast. And I don't know. I mean, we've read a lot of his books, mm-hmm. uh, Tipping Point and Blink, and yeah, and um, we're thinking, a, thinking fast and slow. Was that him? No, but he's got the more famous one, the Ten Thousand Hours one. Yeah, no, that's Blink. No, no. <laughs> what is the one? I can't think of the. But we have it, and we've read it. Yes, and it's. So escaping famous. me. Yeah. <laughs> but um, his podcast is is really great. It's revisionist history. He just takes these um, events. Outliers. Or some, there you go. So I don't have to look it up. Pull my phone out. But um, <laughs> excellent, excellently done. The uh, but the podcast is really good. Um, you know, he did like a three part series on 
I don't know the it uh, was sort of yeah based on the same theme yeah higher education institutions and inclusion for um, people in the lower classes basically right it's more of like um what do they call it do they call it conversion no they call it capitalization yeah um, right yeah. yeah capitalization of I don't know intellect or talent or mm-hmm. but he just I mean he takes specific things and looks at them in a different way that like the one episode was on the food they serve at Bowdoin versus uh, Vassar mm-hmm. and how much money that swings in a in a in a different direction than right financial aid I guess but he uh, had the one about Toyota and the brakes and right that one's very interesting that was cool the the one about the song Hallelujah mm-hmm. um, which he starts off talking about. Um, who is it? The, uh, some kind of parade. It's a very famous guy. <laughs> Elvis Costello. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, wow. But. We're doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> but he goes into, you know, the um, evolution of things and different iterations and how that affects art. And. Just different um, kinds of genius, basically. Right. And like what it what that means and what it takes to get there. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things I thought of just, you know, in relation to that podcast and stuff we have going on here was um, we have that Amazon Alexa mm-hmm. Echo speaker. That's what it is. And uh, we were talking about the sound of silence, the art, uh, the Simon, Simon and Garfunkel mm-hmm. song. And you know, asked her to play it and she pulled up this version of The Sound of Silence by Disturbed, which I thought was really cool. It's not exactly the same, like different iterations of art. It's not the same artist. Um, That just got me thinking about, you know, Disturbed and how old that band is. Like I would, that when their first album came out, I would put it in my Sony Discman and listen to I Walked to School in High School. You know, it's it's an old band. And it's funny because their sound hasn't really changed all that much. But they keep coming out with, I think, pretty successful albums. And their their Sound of Silence cover was... I like it a lot. Yeah. I mean, they do, I mean, they do covers quite frequently. There's the, um, still haven't found what I'm looking for from U2 and they have that Phil Collins. I think it's Phil Collins and not Genesis, but Land of Confusion. I think that's Genesis. (laughs) Probably. Um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. Like you said, you, you were just like, yeah, it's really like dramatic. (laughs) It's It's a really cool, uh, version of the song, but that podcast is is a really great, great listen and i think the next you know as of this recording next week the last episode of the first season is going to come out 
So it's going to be one of those seasons um, podcasts, like Invisibilia or Serial. But yeah, I don't know. Podcasts are great. Um, So did you have anything else before we jump into our main fair? Yeah, I mean, I've been watching a lot of TV. I've had lots of days off. So I've been catching up on some stuff that I've been wanting to watch and Master Chef Junior, which has gotten Tegan all into trying to cook with me in the kitchen. Yeah. It hasn't lasted that long since now we finished the season of Master Chef Junior. It sort of waned, right. but then we watch Master Chef on we're on the latest season, which is not completed yet. So yeah, that's it's fun. really cool that um she wants to help you cook. The other thing that is less cool is that she wants to critique all the food as we're eating it at the dinner <laughs> table. <laughs> but it's but, her critiques are so funny. Yeah. It's like this um, tastes good and <laughs> goes with these meatballs, go with the spaghetti. Yeah, <laughs> she was helping me cook lunch the other day and we were cooking something that she had never participated in before, but felt the need to give a blow by blow, like instructional on how to do the things we were doing. So it's, it's fun to, to see you're interested in something like yeah. that, but um, like you said, apparently we need a new new season of MasterChef Junior to keep her interested. Right. Um, but yeah. And what about Bachelor in Paradise? Ridiculous. I am so happy to have you involved in one part of the Bachelor franchise. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so over the top. It crazy. is my favorite show of all of the Bachelor-related <laughs> shows. It is just a hot mess of hot messes. Television. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really is difficult to feel bad for some of these people, even though a lot of times I do anyway, just because that's me. But um, you know, I mean, they're all signed. They they all signed up for this. Oh yeah, they know what the deal is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I don't know if it's fair to say they know what they signed up for. I, I don't know if they watch the, they must watch the show. Oh they yeah. Must... Cause they all know who we like, as soon as a new person comes in every week, they're like, Oh, that's so-and-so from, but I'm saying, this... why would you voluntarily, I mean, I'm sure they know. Why would you voluntarily put yourself in that situation? Um, well, because they want publicity and to be famous. Yeah. They want to be bachelor famous. They all get, like, sponsors and stuff. Yeah. Not all of them. Only the ones that are good at being on The Bachelor. But whatevs. No. And it's like a vacation. Right. <laughs> totally <laughs> worth it. Yeah. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> it's good to know. I mean, no one's asked, but... Right. Yeah. Weird. Um, <laughs> did you have anything else? No, I guess that's it. Oh, Pete's Dragon is out. I really want to see it. Is it out now? I thought it was yeah, still like coming it's out. out. It came out like yesterday. No. And I really want to see it. I don't know why. I n- never saw the original Disney movie. I don't know really anything about the story, but something about it makes me want to really watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw a headline, because that's all I read on Twitter, that said it was... Uh, Certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, which I guess is... Is that uh, good? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's just over 50%. 
<laughs> I don't know what's fresh. I think it would be at least 80%. Yeah. I mean. Whatever it is, certified. Pete's Dragon. <laughs> um, this is 50% so. fresh, so I've certified it fresh. Would you like oh, to yeah, eat this? Oh, yeah, I would this? not eat that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, I don't know. We'll probably wait till it comes to video, well, of though. of course, but <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm excited about it. Yeah. All right, Black Hammer. Yeah. So, uh, the first issue came out two weeks ago, week mm -hmm. and a half. Black so, have Hammer. you heard some stuff about this? Like, what do you mean? Prior to it coming out and reading it, just like some... I mean, I didn't hear any buzz, buzz particularly. I saw it in a preview catalog and looked really interesting. It's a image book written by Jeff Lemire, who we um, trust pretty, um, pretty much new books that are coming out to give them a try. Uh, I learned my lesson when we didn't pick up the first issue of Descender. And, uh, but you know, he's written Hawkeye and the Green Arrow run that we, uh, liked. And, um, Black Hammer is, how do you feel um, about just this? kind of a different take on, it's a know, superhero book. It is a superhero book. It's just, you know, there's this group of superheroes that have kind of been banished to the farm. Um, which I, I'm not sure if it's a different dimension, if it's, it feels like it's a different world. There. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because yeah, but like, we're not really sure exactly what happened, but right. Or we, how they got to where they are and what caused them to have like some sort of radical changes. Yeah. So I actually think, um, the second book is coming out next Wednesday, so that'll be good to get a little more. Right. Um, information. Because I'd I like guess. to read the second book and then decide if I want to keep reading. Yeah. So there's one, two, three, four, five. There's like six people, I guess, stuck on the farm. And then there's um, Black Hammer, who we're unsure about right now. There's Abraham Slam, who kind of opens the book and has the narration. Mm -hmm. He seems like kind of the... The blue, the ringleader, like yeah. the father of the clan, so to right. speak. Right, father, I think, would be better because not everybody is really too interested in um, what he espouses, but they all seem to kind of fall in line when it matters, maybe. But um, Golden Gale, who is probably who you were maybe talking about with the changes mostly, I don't understand what's going on. Why was she stuck in, like, this little girl's body? I mean, but they're all they're all a little weird, and they're all trying to do... Right. One of them is actually called Colonel Weird. Yeah, and he is weird, and I just don't get it. Yeah. I, well, I think he's kind of lost his mind a little bit, and he goes into that um, Parazone, supposedly. Yeah. He's fighting to contain the monsters from the Parazone, and he seems a little bit, a little bit out there, and he's got his talkie-walkie robot friend who's building some probe, um, Barbalian... It sounds weird when I say it. That's the first time I've said it like oh, out yeah. loud. <laughs> but he's the uh, warlord from Mars, and then Madame Drag Dragonfly, who I think I didn't get it on the first read through. When I read it through a second time, I think like she was working to conceal them when they went downtown because you know Barbalians all alien. Oh, look. She was like, I, I need to just... concentrate. As she said, I need to concentrate when she saw them leaving. So I think she might have been you um, think they'd ask her first to like take care of <laughs> right. it maybe, maybe uh they, they dropped just... her a note texted her um 
but um yeah so and black hammer the um he's missing titular character is missing they think he's dead but um kind of get a a view of um maybe some background of why they're right at least why they're on the farm not how they got there but you get kind of a preview of like an outside world that will be involved in the greater story um towards the end of the first issue so what do you i mean do you like this so far i like the first book yeah he just i don't know something about it feels a little familiar like it's not not that i know I just, I feel like sort of the story of like superheroes who now are not superheroes and have to hide who they are and they're all having issues with that. Yeah. It's like the Incredibles. <laughs> <laughs> um, In a way, but then also like, uh, I don't know, it's a little confusing. There are a lot of characters. I don't know how much we really... I mean, it it just is. It just feels very introductory already, and I know you need that because you can't just jump into something brand new and not have that introduction. But that kind of, I'm just sort of bored because I feel like it's not in the middle of a story right now. I feel like it's just, hey, there are these people. But I don't know. Yeah, well, that's interesting because they're not. They're not pre-existing characters, right? There's no... Right. Um, so, and I know you said it, like, it has to be that way, but, like... But I wish that there was, like, some sort of direction they were moving in. Like, it seems like they're all sort of... You don't feel ...resigned like to be... No, and I feel like, I mean, towards the end, there's that little bit of, I'm gonna find out what happened here. But that's just, like, such a small part of this first book that it's just like, well, okay... You know, I guess, like, I, I mean, don't know. The, the only, the the only one who spend... seems to want to stay on the phone, like, they're all discontent. Right, but they all Abraham know that they Slam. have to stay there. I mean, what else are they going to do? But why but do nobody's they know happy. Why do they have to stay there? Who put them there? Why can't they? Well, they decided to go there together. <laughs> okay. It's in the book. But, like, I mean, ultimately they say, like, you know, well, we're stuck here like this, so suck it up. It's our life. I don't know. I, I just felt like there was something more to them being stuck there because, you know, the world thinks they're dead. So yeah, this why, other would world. They, why would not they be? Not this world. I feel like it's a different world. It's hmm. not the same place. Yeah. Like yeah. even the color is different. Yeah. So we'll see, I guess. I, I, I like the first issue. I'm interested to see where at least the first arc goes. I don't know uh, if it's like a limited series or an ongoing. I guess before we go to the movies that we saw in the theater, we were also going to briefly talk about The Little Prince on Netflix. Right. Uh, which, you know, I liked because um, it was visually quite appealing. Yes. And I'm not um, intimately familiar with the books that were, you know, a big part of your, your childhood. A book. Just one book. Right. The, I think of books because we had all those little books that we had for the kids when they're mm -hmm. the cardboard books. Um, but yeah, I don't know the, I mean, the little prince, which we've talked about, uh, you know, just kind of briefly on the podcast so before as, for it. um, this animated feature that, um, was going to be distributed by universal or something like into the theaters and it got dropped. 
but and, and I don't understand how all this works because I mean they spent millions of dollars on the animation already. I mean there were commercials and previews out for it already, mm-hmm. and they had to wait for somebody to pick it up and Netflix snagged it, and so now it's a Netflix exclusive. And the the movie was like I said, just I mean it had three different kinds of animation, had this kind of paper animation and then stop motion and then the actual animation and kind of blended it together and it it took pieces of the original little print story and worked into this bigger plot of of the movie and the voice cast is is great yep um jeff bridges and paul rudd and rachel mcadams uh and the kids liked it but I know that you did not. <laughs> I really did not like this movie. It all started out so beautiful and whimsical and wonderful. And then it gets towards the end and it becomes about, like they just, it's, it's really hard to, to explain like, why it was so disappointing without you having that love of this story. I mean, I have loved that story since, let's see, since I was in like sixth or seventh grade when I first read it. Um, And it's always been one of my absolute favorite books. And it's just such a beautiful story about childhood and whimsy and love and life and and like just but then it it becomes this other thing where i mean like this book is is about like just believing in this and not and the movie turns into how adults don't yeah how i mean miserable adulthood can be (laughs) no i mean the book the book has a little bit of that too about like how grown-ups are are grown-ups and so they forget things and they miss things and they see things very practically uh, and there's a lot of that in the book but like then it's like the janitors is the little prince and he has forgotten who he is like that doesn't fit like it just doesn't tie and it, and it becomes less about imagination and it it, t- it tries to take the things that are imagination which is a lot of what the story is about and like try to fit it into to a way to make it be like, well, this this is real and not imagination. And the guy has all these stars locked up, but he really totally does. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it just was not good. And I don't, I mean, I have my ideas of, like, what it could have been, but I didn't make the movie. Right. And I didn't, you know, but no, it was not. It, I feel like it didn't do justice to the book it just didn't it didn't at all and i wish it hadn't had that whole last part i wish it had just been you know the girl and friends with the aviator and him telling his story and then her like getting it and understanding it and moving on from there and not having to go on this mission you know i just ugh, ugh, i have such a strong sense of how of uh, uh, of dislike for this movie because <laughs> I just love the, like I have such a strong emotional connection to that book yeah. that I, like it makes me want to cry. 
Like, I mean, we turned it off and I was like, that was horrible. I hated it. <laughs> um, and I almost never feel that way about stuff. Right. I mean, like, I've read plenty of books that were turned into movies or adapted. and Like, the Lorax or, like, all of the Dr. Seuss stuff, except for the stuff that were cartoons when we were little that's basically exactly the pages on, on like, a cartoon that's, like, a 20-minute story. I mean, like, I get it. And they change it. And I never hate it that much. Yeah. But this was just, it just meant too much to me. Right. Well. So, boo. (laughs) Boo to the little prince. Boo. Um, If you haven't read the book, it's quite entertaining and visually (laughs) appealing film. So beautiful. And then you get to the end and then it's still run amok, but whatever. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, moving from one disappointment to the next, we saw Jason Bourne. So disappointing. In the movie theater. So I misspoke um, when we were talking about this earlier. It was Doug Liman directed The Born Identity, the first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Greengrass directed Born Supremacy and Born Ultimatum. And and then, you know, there was The Born Legacy. And kind of Matt Damon and Paul Greengrass had... Um, had said they weren't going to do anymore. Basic, yeah, well, they had basically... Um, and I, I didn't realize this before everybody started talking about Jason Bourne, but Tony Gilroy, uh, was, he basically wrote the screenplays for the first born, first three born movies and, uh, Greengrass and, and Matt Damon kind of, I mean, I don't want to say like threw the scripts out, but they, they kind of, you know, uh, co-opted the whole series and, made it into what they wanted. And so they, they kind of took ownership of, you know, the success of the born movies, the first three born movies. Mm-hmm. And, um, you're right. They said they would, they wouldn't come back unless they really felt like there was a good story to tell, whatever. And then Tony Gilroy wrote and directed the born legacy, which when it came out, I guess, didn't really have, um, a great reception. But, but since then, um, I like you know, it. yeah, we just watched it the other night and we watched all the Bourne movies just recently. And, um, boy, if they had a new story to tell, um, because Matt Damon and Paul Greengrass came back for Jason Bourne, obviously they felt like they had a story to tell. Um, maybe something about, um, security versus privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's difficult. Um, not difficult. It's, it's strange to, see a new board movie come out and then after such a long break, I guess maybe, and you go back and watch those first board movies and you see the discussion around it, um, around the new movie encapsulating the old movies. And you realize how big a part of, um, pop culture, the, the movies were the soundtrack was, mm-hmm. um, because it carries over from movie to movie and you get really excited when you hear that, that, yeah. um, that music again and you see those people and you see that style sort of <laughs> <laughs> again. Um, yeah. Do you want to kind of say some stuff about the movie before we, before I get into what I had written down? Some Cause things. Um, um, boy, wow. It just was not, it didn't feel like a Jason. Fun. It didn't feel like a Bourne movie. No, first of all, it didn't. It wasn't fun. I wasn't. I didn't feel any pressure or excitement or like uh, 
feeling of like ah uh, like we've got the like even in any of the chases yeah or the one chase so, I don't know I guess there were a couple and then it just seemed very predictable didn't seem predictable it was predictable and even then, even the the character of Jason Bourne when you go back and watch those especially the Bourne Identity but you go back and watch that first the first trilogy part of the series I mean he's got you know, yeah, he's got amnesia, um, but he's got a personality. <laughs> this right. movie, uh, I read somewhere that he had like 27 lines of dialogue and he got, you know, I, they don't know how much he got paid for the movie, but extrapolating that he got paid $27 million for the Martian. They were like, well, he got paid, for, you know, a million dollars per line in the movie, mm-hmm. but he really was, um, you know, DC takes a lot of, um, guff for you know uh the sullen uh you know mood of, mood of their movies yeah. and boy uh jason Bourne seems to have taken that um mantle mm-hmm. in in this movie at least it was you know he it starts off he's on this kind of fight club-esque redemption tour where he's um yeah, what is that about? Penance, I guess, for all the people he killed. Yeah, but then he goes around and beats other people up. Uh, yeah, I mean, there I mean, was the one didn't... fight where he took a little beating before he took the guy down. I but guess, kind of. It was, yeah. I think some of the problems with this movie, some of, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of them. But um, one, you know, the first trilogy, Born, um, you know, figures out his past. He's got everything kind of squared away. Um, there are still people after him and, you know, there are certain events that play out that make him, that drive him to, um, an inevitable conclusion. Um, this one, they, they kind of try to force feed that, you know, and you said this after we even left the movie, um, they have this whole CIA slash, um, uh, there's like a Facebook corporation. I don't remember what they were called. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't remember what they were some called Some social either. media thing where the CIA has funded them and they're going to use that to spy on people. But really that whole segment of the storyline never really even crosses paths. Yeah, with, with Jason Bourne at all. It's right. a completely separate storyline that only has to do with Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, and so that's weird. And then they try to shoehorn um, more of Jason Bourne's past into the movie instead of just like moving forward with this character they're like guess what your father was also somehow involved when you watched him treadstone right so come on now you're mad it's Er. so not good um okay and i know (laughs) that this is so superficial and small but i just have to bring this up because it's like my first reaction when anyone brings up the movie at all is i'm not the type of person who is like oh it's that british actor doing an american accent usually i'm like Eh, pretty good. What Alicia, Vic- Alicia Vikander in, um, was in the movie. Her American accent is the worst American accent I've ever heard. If you can't do it, just please, just, just don't do it. I don't understand how they could, and it just kept changing. Yeah. Like I, and it was so distracting. It was, it was distracting. so distracting. That was, the, that was the issue. Like we've heard some bad accents, even the past couple of days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on, um, everything i mean all the time it happens especially with the boston accent but that wasn't her issue that was just um 
I just have never had it be so bothersome to me. I mean, no. except for when it's the Boston accent, because sometimes it's so bad and you're just... But it's because we're from Boston. I can kind of set that aside. Yeah. It's a very dis- difficult accent. Yeah. But, I mean... I'm And I'm not picky about these things. I couldn't... I couldn't, like, even listen to what the woman had to say. Because <laughs> um, I was busy, like, what? Is she Jamaican now? Like, I don't... <laughs> Jamaican. Irish? I don't... Wait. The, I had, um, I just couldn't. I couldn't. It was horrible. I mean, the movie even ends with, like, Jason Bourne chasing after somebody. Which just felt wrong. Like... He doesn't chase people. He yeah, just wants to live his life. Well, that and he's also always being chased, you know? Yeah. Um, and in Vegas, like we talked about, one of the things I said when we left, I was, the first series, even when they, it was just, it's a very, um, I don't know, all world encompassing kind of traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a certain style. Series, but it just felt really like a European movie um, to me. Not this one, but, you know, in the past. Um, and they end this one in Las Vegas, and there's like this big armored truck like smashing through cars on. I mean, so ridiculous. On the highway. I think, I don't know, I, if they're going to make another one, um, which I haven't really heard one way or the other <sighs> uh, i hope they um reassess <laughs> you know one of the um things i heard uh on as far as on a critical scale about uh this movie as it relates to the first trilogy was um if they were going to keep making these movies uh killing uh, franca potente's character Marie in the beginning of the second movie made a, may have been a mistake because right. right now Jason Bourne, he doesn't seem really tethered to anything except for being alive and being left alone and, you know, right. paying his penance for killing people that he doesn't even remember. Uh, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's yeah, disappointing. Let's just move on. <laughs> it was, I mean, ultimately disappointing. Yeah. Uh, we also saw Suicide Squad. I. Last Friday. Love it. Loved love it. Love it. Wow. But <laughs> here's the thing. I think my hype and excitement about this movie, I need to like see it again and stuff. I'm just so excited and I had right. so much fun watching it we very... that I'm not sure that I can be a impartial no. judge I at guess, all. Yeah. Even a so little. the second for the second it was critically panned, I guess to say I thought it had like delicacy. mixed. Yeah, mostly not so great. Ugh. But it made a lot of movies. People want to not like these made movies. A lot of movie. Made a lot of money the first weekend. Um it dropped by like eighty percent this weekend. But I don't, I don't know how atypical that really is anymore. Right. Um I mean, there I, were some I did. Things. I did like. It. There were some things. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did like the movie overall. Like I had fun. The kids had fun. Um, the The movie itself, it seemed a little patchwork. Uh, you know, it's hard to tell because as you know, they talk about reshoots and the company saying one thing and critics are saying one thing and um, 
you know, everybody's got an inside source about what a mess this movie is or that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the best way for us to maybe talk about this movie was like maybe just things we liked and things we didn't like. Yeah. Cause, uh, there was, there was a lot to like. I really, I really liked the visual style of David Ayer, uh, the director. I, I really liked that, even though maybe the final product was a little, um, choppy. Uh, like maybe, uh, once it made its way through the studio, it wasn't quite as cohesive as it could have been. Did you feel that at all? Like, it, yeah, it did seem a little bit jumpy to me. Yeah. Um, there was, even, there was even like things in the trailers, which were amazing. The trailers for this movie were great, but there were scenes, uh, in the trailers that didn't make it into the movie. I don't remember um, any of that kind of stuff. But I mean, like, there was, like, the Joker with his face half-burned um, in the trailer. That's not in the movie. Um, kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't say it's iconic, but, you know, there's um, a thing in the Batman, or, no, I guess that's Marvel. Scratch that. <laughs> uh, there's the, But there's the thing with the, the huge, like, eyeball head. Um the guy with a huge eyeball head, like just as like a helmet mm-hmm. or a mask, uh, was in the trailer. I feel like maybe I just imagined it. Whatever. Yeah, because I don't know about that at all. But <laughs> uh, I mean, but the the character intros were great in mm-hmm. the uh, in the movie. Uh, how it gave you know a pretty decent chunk of time to introduce each character of the Suicide Squad um, in a very well, comic booky kind of way. Yes, yes, and no. I mean, the main characters got more, but I mean, the, the intros were, um, probably amongst my favorite parts because Mm -hmm. obviously, uh, we knew Batman was going to be in it and that was, you know, the part he was in. He was in. That's why we went to go see the movie. Obviously. (laughs) Uh, Harley Quinn's intro had the Joker and Batman, uh, Deadshot, his intro had Batman in it. The, uh, Boomerang had the Flash. Captain Boomerang. Awesome. So awesome. I mean, Captain Boomerang was okay, but it had the Flash in it. (laughs) Well, but not only that, like, I think they turned Captain Boomerang into somebody fun. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's such a... I mean, I've only ever read anything about him in Infinity Crisis, but... um. You know, identity crisis. Goodness gracious, what's wrong with me? (laughs) In identity crisis, but yeah. Aside from the intros, Deadshot was, I thought, awesome. You know, Will Smith Mm -hmm. has, uh, a lot was made of, man, I can't believe he's going to do this um, ensemble, you know. Yeah, but they made him such a big player, and he had a fun role. Yeah, very fun. He was was awesome. It was awesome. I think he was the best part. Um, And I haven't said that about Will Smith in a while. Uh, (laughs) But uh, he was a lot of fun. I'm pretty sure... That I liked Harley Quinn. I loved her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was annoying, but she was also supposed to be. Right. So there were parts where I was just like, hey, annoying. But I don't feel like it was ever pushed over. Like, I think it was annoying where it was supposed to be annoying. Right. Yeah. Because she can be quite vexing. They worked in a lot of um, kind of origin stuff for Harley Quinn. I think, I mean, she's probably going to get her own movie from what I heard. Um, oh yeah, I mean she's a very popular character, right? Who original? It's funny because she originated in the Batman animated series with that kind of onesie, you know, 
black and like, red with the with and they the little... they worked that into the movie the the bell the bell had on. I don't remember um, it. In the movie, you don't remember it. No. It was very brief. Yeah. It was just kind of in one of those flashback montage mm-hmm. scenes, but um, and I think she pulls it out of the trunk when she's you know oh, getting yeah. dressed, but and the mallet as well. She pulls out of the mallet. Love and, it. <laughs> that uh, made me happy. Yeah. Um, but they do, you know, they do a lot of origin stuff for Harley Quinn that they don't do for a lot of the other characters. And a lot of that involves the Joker. What did you think of Jared Leto's Joker? Well, I didn't love it. Yeah. It was so kind of, he was just kind of skeevy. Like he wasn't scary to me. Right. Just skeevy. Yeah. Like, he seemed like, 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 like I get slimy. what he's trying to do. Yeah. Um, and I know it's hard to. Uh, it's got to be hard to... I can't imagine how difficult it is to try to put your own spin and, like, take that character and keep it the Joker, but make it your own as yeah. well. I can't imagine how difficult. Apparently his was um, heavily inspired by Bowie. Um, oh, good. Which, okay. I don't understand. Right. But it just... It didn't quite work for me. I'm hoping, especially if he's going to be um, a big part of the DC universe going forward, that it... I mean, who knows? He didn't have a whole lot of screen time. He really didn't. Thank God. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it was it was kind of tough. It was, it was kind of tough to watch. And if he's going to be in, like, um, the standalone Batman movie... Uh, um, yeah. Joker needs some improvement, I think. Maybe yeah. if he's... I don't Maybe he just needs out. more depth of character. Yeah. Um, I did like... Um, no, I did not like the Enchantress. The, I didn't either. <laughs> I liked... Which, it was such a major part of the movie that I was right. just like... Mm, so I liked the, when she changed into... Like, when they were in the conference room and they kind of show her changing and the, the hands... Um, kind of interlock yeah. and she's all of a sudden changed but uh you know a lot of people talk about superhero movies and how either they're all chasing after this box or this thing and there's this cataclysmic event and um you know for the most part i'm pretty forgiving about that in a lot of those movies but this one just seemed like so strange um that she was so making this machine out of something and um i mean the whole third act of the movie she's doing this little dance in front oh yeah of... that was difficult to watch <laughs> like it, it was his, bad it was yeah. like the arms and like she was doing the octopus dance yeah they like under the seat. they <laughs> um pop culture happy hour says she was doing the macarena in front of, <laughs> <laughs> in front of her um doomsday machine but um that could have used a little work i thought yeah and and i guess i don't know that that's all i really had on suicide squad um okay just one little thing that i really loved was captain boomerang's pink unicorn that doesn't get explained right i, I love I that it doesn't forgot get it. about I don't, I don't even because care. they didn't explain I, it, I, I don't think. care that it doesn't get explained i love that it's got like <laughs> the one part where he grabs it and then where he like is like, ah, my my stuffed unicorn and grabs it again. It's just, like, cute and, like, a little thing, and it doesn't make any sense, and you don't know why, and you don't care, but I just liked that. Yeah. 
ultimately a fun movie. Yeah, yeah. And um, better than Jason Bourne. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, uh, the last thing we were going to talk about was The Night Of. It's a lot to talk uh, about, though. I don't know how much you want to tackle. Yeah, maybe we can hit it a little um, more in-depth next week. It's, it's five episodes in. Mm-hmm. It's on HBO. Mm-hmm. Uh, Riz Ahmed is, um, I guess, Nas. one of the main characters, yeah, Nas, who is accused of murdering this girl. Um, the whole first episode is... The first the episode most difficult is thing I've ever had to watch. An hour and a half long. It's a little longer than it's like an hour show, except for that first episode, uh, and it it's really uh, really good. Um, you can kind of see all these uh, incriminating mistakes Just that he makes pieces. as the night goes on, mm-hmm. and it's really great television and really well cast. And yeah. I guess we're running a little long. It's hard. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So this is what I will have to say about it. It's one of those shows that when I watch it, I'm really glad that I'm watching it and have seen it, but I never actually am like, Ooh, that's out. And I want to watch it and take up this time because of how intense it is. It's so intense that you have to force me to like, to remember like, Hey, you're going to, enjoy this like you are gonna be (laughs) glad that you saw this um but i mean just so thick and like yeah there's heavy there's a ton of stuff in there but it's um i mean it's so good that i like to watch it on sunday night when it's when it's out yeah um right and i'm glad that you do no no because and I'm never gonna say no. I don't want to watch right. it because I know that I want to watch it. And there's only it's three just left. Just getting myself into the mindset of like, all right, I need to be ready for this because there's so much th- that I'm gonna be feeling and no. thinking while I'm watching this show. So we'll hit that a little heavier next week, okay. and we'll watch episode six tomorrow night probably. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess. You know, for now, we'll just wrap up this episode. And you can find us on iTunes and subscribe to the podcast there. Leave a rating and review. Um, we have a website, geektrue.com, where you can also listen to or download the podcast. We're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, all at Geekchew. And uh, that'll, that'll do it. So That's it. <laughs> it was fun. It was smart. We liked it, sort of. (laughs) Or didn't.